0: Patrice Poulter is the kind of person who gets triggered when she hears someone say, I don't have a story. She gets so triggered by it that she's made it her life's mission to prove anyone wrong who claims they don't have a story. After six years as an award-winning producer on the Today Show, she saw firsthand the power of great storytelling for businesses especially when founders came on to the show. Patrice left the Today Show at the peak of her career in 2016 after winning a Gracie Award for her storytelling to join a media startup. Startup job experience was, in the most cliche way, horrific. But without the self-esteem-destroying experience, she probably wouldn't have gone off to build her own New York-based storytelling company, helping founders uncover and share compelling narratives. She's worked with brands like Afterpay, Lululemon, Netflix, and even more to strengthen and tell their stories. When COVID forced things online, she found her groove teaching virtual workshops and coaching founders on captivating storytelling. Patrice believes that stories that we tell shape our realities. By taking control of our narrative, we can shape how our businesses are perceived and attract our ideal customers. In other words, we can control our destiny through storytelling. Ah, this is going to be the most juicy conversation. I can't wait to dive in. You're listening to the Super Expander podcast. Align goals are pivotal for expansion. You don't need me to tell you that. But what happens when your flame weakens? What really happens when it totally goes out? Reignite your goals starts with awakening to the emotions that pull you further and further away. Letting go of your shame, denial, and frustration, and figuring out why your body is resisting your goals are the key to success. Regulate your nervous system, release the blocks, and reassess your path forward because your goals are ready to be reset and reignited. Welcome back to the show. I am so, so excited to share with you one of my super expanders. Welcome Patrice Pulzer.
1: Hi, I'm excited to be here. I don't know if you're ready for this, but uh, <laughs> but I am here. I'm excited to chat with you.
0: I am ready. I'm always ready for a real conversation with an amazing woman. And here we are and we get to do that today. So a little, I, I share, I'd love to share a little teeny bit of context. So somewhere along the line, I started following you. And I can't even remember whether it was in a networking group or whether it was on LinkedIn or whether it was on Instagram, I think I connected to you in all the places now. And I was like, wow. And then you kept popping up in this orbit. And I realized that you were connected and friendly with Danielle and Danielle and I were in a mastermind. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to reach out and talk to her and ask her some questions about this amazing program that she has, which has led to a really neat series of events, which I think the the lesson in that really is, is that like, when you have that nudge, you just got to reach out. There's like, you just got to reach out and say, hi.
1: Yeah. No, I, you know, you practice what you preach. Cause I mean, this is like getting ahead, but even, you know, you nudge me last month and you wanted me to meet this person and it was really random and it was not the best timing because I was moving countries and I ended up meeting this person and she's amazing and we're in touch so you obviously that must be part of your superpower and your gift where when you feel the nudge or the urge or you can see the connection you you move on it which not a lot of people do so
0: I can see I we'll can see, see why Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so we're just gonna go right to it who is Patrice down deep on a soul level.
1: Oh man, wow, you really you really start off the podcast with with a bang. So, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. I probably would have answered that question differently had you asked me that question even a few months ago just to do some cliff notes. I just moved with my family. I have three young boys and we were living in New York. I was in New York for 13 years. My oldest is 10. My youngest is two and a half. So we all three, all five of us have New York with children for the past decade. And we decided to move to Lisbon. It was very, it's one of those things where it was, you know, over a Negroni and then two Negronis later, and then five months later, we actually did it, you know, and I have to say that I remember what I would tell people, because we love living in New York. We loved our community. We loved, we lived in Brooklyn. Amazing. Everything was great. You know, we didn't leave because we didn't like it. And people, and I was so nonchalant. And I remember people would say to me, what, you're moving to Lisbon? And I, you're acting like you're moving down the street. And I, and I was, I was so just chill and, oh yeah, it's good. Like, whatever. And I have to say, this move has really stripped me to the core in ways that I did not expect so I'm gonna loop back to your question, but I've been in Lisbon now for one month. But you know, as we're recording this, it's been a month. And it has probably been mentally one of the toughest months that I have had in a long time. And it's been tough in ways that have been completely unexpected. You know, things like, oh, of course, moving's hard, change is hard, all that stuff. We all get that. But I have been just forced to almost reckon a cellular soulful level, what do you really want in life? And because you doubt yourself, you know, it's a huge move and we're out here and we don't have it, We don't have friends. We're not here for work. You know, we're not here because of family. It's really an adventure move. It's an experience move from, for us. And all of a sudden when you're sort of just stripped down and you're just with yourself and your family, your children and your partner, in my case, you know, I have a husband and you're feeling bad on days and there's not external things to make you feel better because there's no real outlets and we barely have furniture. I honestly, it's like a completely unfurnished apartment still. It really does force you to like, ask yourself, like, what do I want? And going back to this question, had a really hard ask myself this question earlier in the year, like, in a journal, Patrice, what do you want? Like, not what my husband wants, not what kids want, not what I think I should want, not what my mom wants, not what my friends want, not what, like, I think society tells me I should want. Like, what do I want at that gut level? And it's a really hard question to ask because some of the answers that come up are uncomfortable. And I think we want to repress it because you almost don't want to admit maybe what you want isn't what you're doing. And so when I asked that question, you know, started coming up for me, it was just like, you have one life, you know, I'm like, oh my God, you know, and I feel like having children, my, with having my kids, my, I feel like my mortality is in my face in a different way than it ever was. Every time they age, it's just like your own mortality goes. And so I just have been, had this feeling of like, God, I want to have impact and I want to be bold and I want to live courageously. And I want to like, kind of squeeze the juice right out of life. And I wrote this all down and we were always kind of toying with this move like, oh, you know how you like, oh, we should do this or oh, we should move here. My dream is to live here, do this, but you don't do it. I remember I I came back from this retreat I went on in California and I remember I said to my husband, we're doing, we got to do this, like this ladders up and I didn't tell him like this, but in my gut, I was like, you know, this is scary, but does it ladder up to what I want out of life? And I think it does and that doesn't mean it's not really hard right now because I'm having a hard time. But uh, if I went in, it's funny, I actually have the notebook right in front of me, but I've actually gone back that journal entry many times this past month. I've had to reread my own words on the paper to almost remind myself of what I wrote and all this stuff that I'm going through right now and this discomfort and this not knowing the language and not knowing how to get like paper towels, all these basic things, you know, not knowing how to go to the bank. This sounds crazy, but... I have to like read my writing. What do I want? Like, oh, okay, this ladder's up. This is, you know, this is part of it. It's part of the process, but it's still hard. So I guess who I am at a solar level is I believe I'm someone that takes risk and goes after things. And even though it's hard because I am in, in pursuit of living boldly and courageously and being adventurous and hopefully, you know, having impact in the one life that I have.
0: Oh my goodness. this. So much inside of that.
1: Yeah, sorry. I, I was like, wait, did I just like close my eyes and black out? Because yeah, sorry. That was a lot. I almost feel like that was like too windy and esoteric. No,
0: my gosh. It's so just been on good. my
1: mind. And on my mind a lot because there are days where you know I remember screaming at my husband the other day, like, what did we do? why did we leave our beautiful community in new york we had everything we loved our neighborhood like work my work has changed a lot even in one month my business it's scary i feel like everything is so unknown you have these moments you're like why did we do this like what what are we doing are we crazy so it's been on my mind a lot like daily
0: yeah but I, there's so much in that and i feel like i want everyone to save this and go back and <laughs> listen to what you just said like five times because there's so much inside of that. One is that you can love where you are, but still want more. And and inside of that, there's no shame in wanting more. We do only have this one life and to squeeze the juice out of it, you have to be willing to take risks. But I feel like where I want to go with this and part where I want to go with this is that what you're experiencing is, is I think that we have this desire and wanting and we'll have these notions of goals and and things that we want to create and and achieve and in that wanting we will not be aware of the the hard that's going to come mm-hmm. out of the amazing right and of yes. course if we did we wouldn't do the thing right i mean that's kind of like childbirth, right? I mean, if you knew you wouldn't do it. And there's a reason why we forget because you would no one would have another child if we didn't forget. So we get to go through this practice and all of our big goals and all the things in life. So I just think that there's just so much there. So what, what's getting you through right now, outside of going back to your words and reading, because I feel like this is going to be the, you're going to look back on this as a family, as the most transformational strengthening thing for your family in hindsight, you're going to look back and it's going to be like, wow, that's the thing that like really strengthened the glue.
1: Yeah. You know, and here's the thing, there's been so many positives, you know, I just haven't talked about positive. Like there's been, my three kids are thriving. I mean, it actually, I look at them. I'm like, oh my God, you got it. Can mom have some of your juice, man? I need some of this mojo. They're just, my dynamic with my children has shifted even in the one month being out here because you are a bit more. Uh, it's like, I look at them differently. And also they've grown up, I think in the one month, just to kind of see mom and dad. Also, I can't, we're not a family that's like, oh, let's hide how we're feeling. I have no filter. So if I'm set, I'm set. I've had a lot of moments where, you know, I've been in outside and I've just been crying on the street with my kids and they're just like mom. And I just have to say to that mom's having such a hard time right now. I'm sorry. And I'm, I, you know, this is reality. And what's been getting me through is, like a comma, got this actually. Uh, this is like so bizarre actually that I'm talking to you today because I was watching something on LinkedIn. It was a video and you know that Alex Hormozy guy, like he's a bit rowy, but I've actually, I've gone full circle and I think he's great. And I just, it's, it's amazing. You know, he just shows up and I respect that. So he yeah, had this video today where he was talking about like sacrifice and what he's had to do to get where he's done. His His whole mantra was like, this is hard, come and that's okay. Or this is hard, but it's not going to be like this forever. And so I think I've actually been doing that subconsciously without actually saying that. Because when he, when I saw this video, it resonated with me. And I said, I think I've been doing that. So it's acknowledging that, yeah, this is, this is hard right now. But I also know from other experiences in life and not to be cliche, I, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. It's those platitudes, that's not what's getting me through, but Ironically, the thing that is getting me through this mentally is I sold books door to door for three years. Uh, It was, I I mean, selling like hardcore in Texas, in the middle of Texas, in the middle of Jacksonville, Florida. Like dropped in a summer, just all hundred percent commission. I remember my first year I sold books door to door in Florida, and it was honest to God, this is like this is this is like the worst thing I've ever done in my life. I will never do this again. And I went back to do it two more times. And if I look back at myself. And I remember that feeling of just being the hardest thing to do door slammed in your face, just all day, all day, all day, all day, but then something shifts. And then you have a day where, wow, you know, only, only 20 people slammed the door, not 80. And then all of a sudden, you know, you do, you, you do that, you build, you become a different version of yourself. Like your set point becomes higher. And the only reason I ended up getting a job at the today show, literally seven years later, is because I was woefully underqualified. But I remember I had a conversation with one of my then boss. He goes, I was not going to hire you. You did not have any of the skill set that I needed for my team. But then he asked me a question and selling books got brought up. He goes, I hired you in my brain on the spot because I knew that I could teach you anything. But someone that can sell books and do that, year after year after year and succeed at it. It's like a mental stamina. So that's my selling books when I was very lost in my 20s came back and was the reason that I was hired at the Today Show, which is so strange. So I often think about that now because you don't always know it in the moment. So I know like this is really hard right now. And I don't know down the line all the unforeseen opportunities that I'm creating. I'm digging the hole right now. It's foundation and I can't see them yet. But I know intuitively that this is this is a good path that I'm putting not only myself on, but my children. Also the humbleness, like I am just so humbled, even in the one month, it's not like being on vacation. You know, Lisbon's beautiful. We vacationed here a bunch. We loved it. And that it's not vacation. And that's the other thing too. And I'm just blown away at how kind everyone is. Everyone's so kind. You know, I held up a coffee line for 15 minutes the other day. That would have happened in New York. Are you kidding me? Like someone that doesn't speak English? You want to say a line in the back. You're not, you know, sighs and rolling eyes and getting frustrated. It's just a different vibe and feel like it's a kinder vibe. And I've been just sort of so taken aback at how nice everyone is. And I'm so sorry about my English is what people always say. And I'm just like, oh my God, I don't speak your language. And they're apologizing to me off the bat that English isn't that great. So, you know. That is what I go to every day. When I'm feeling bad, I think about. Even though I don't have a community in a weird way, the people are just so nice here that I feel that I kind of do. My children are doing really well, and this is hard. Like I'm I'm having to like learn stuff about myself that I, I didn't have to really acknowledge, but I know deep down that this is this is what you need to do. Like you know, to get to higher places.
0: I'm so inspired. Now you guys can all, everyone listening is now, you know why she's a super expander for me. So these are, I know I'm thinking about it right now. I'm like, whoa, is this why this is, this is it. I'm an adventurer. I'm like, Oh, is that the shakeup that I need in my life to, to start to, to, you know, move to the next level. So you mentioned ladder up. What is the vision on the ladder that you're laddering up to? I
1: mean, that's a really good question. You know, I think it's tough when you run your own business because I I feel like I live in a constant state of not good enough. I came to, I had a meeting yesterday with my team, quarterly just strategy meeting and all these things I was saying were just like very negative coming out of my mouth. Everyone was like, Patrice, blank, Patrice, this, Patrice, this, and yet I don't see it. And so I think like, you know, it can it can be hard because I have to, this is why I actually think this move is going to be good for me. I love New York. There's no one that loves living in New York more than me. I love raising my children there. I think it's, it's the best city in the world. I honestly wouldn't live anywhere else in America besides New York or Brooklyn. Honestly, like I love it, you know, so it's, but it becomes an identity and I'm realizing that, you know, it's like moving out of that, you know, I'm in, you're in that mode in New York where it's the best thing and the worst thing. It's the best thing because you're around people that are just so ambitious. And you know you moved to New York to go after your dreams. And so you're constantly around this untangible energy. It's why you can justify spending dumb money for a shoebox and everything's a little bit hard in New York, nothing's easy. And then you try three, raising three kids like in an apartment, no back, you know, no outdoor space, New York's our backyard. You know? So there's all, you make all these concessions, but it's interesting because now that I'm out of that, I'm just out of that environment, and I'm not there yet at all. I'm not, but I think I need to just like, what am I chasing here? What what was the goal? Because in New York, even it was just it was becoming prohibitively expensive. So all of a sudden, my business decisions were not necessarily being made from places of I really want to do this, or I'm really excited to launch this program, or I'm really excited to. Do this type of coaching. It was like I gotta make money, and I gotta make money now. And we gotta stay in our neighborhood, and we need to get a bigger apartment because we're renting. or are growing out, and that's gonna double our rent. I mean, it was constantly, I was constantly calculating everything in numbers, and it was exhausting. If I'm being honest, you know. And I, I do think now that I've stepped physically removed myself from just that environment. I'm hoping because I am not there yet at all, but I am hoping that for the first time I can actually ladder up in a way that feels healthier in a way that feels like I'm making decisions about what I want to do in my business because of just pure, this is my zone of genius and this is how I serve. And this is, this is what I should be doing. Even if it's like, maybe not going to Make me X amount of money in this time period, but this is what I want to be doing. You know, I did some stuff a lot in my business where I just didn't want to, but I needed to, which look, we all have to do that a little bit. That's, you know, if people say they don't, I don't believe them. But uh, it was like an extreme amount of money. So I think my laddering up is I would like to be this time next year in a place where I have a healthy, have a healthy business It doesn't require so much of, of me. Like I have, you know, so much, you know, I, all the time where I always have to be on. I'm always, you know, that could just straining and that I'm yeah, just like enjoying life a little bit more Europe or, you know, just chilling out and not being so tied to my identity with what I do because Mm. I 100% fall in that category. You know, I think it's hard and just a really quick story. This is actually interesting. Last summer, me my husband and my baby came to and we left the two older kids with his parents in london and we were here to solely figure out can we do this like we yeah we've gone on vacation here but can we live here and i remember we were at this cafe in this park and we were having like you know a negro we were having, like a drinkers something and we just said like okay we're gonna do it and we ended up going to this birthday party That night, that we kind of knew through someone, it was very random, but I ended up on this rooftop party. It was a 29 29 year old birthday party. And I'm talking like ages from like 29 to 60. It was the most eclectic group I sat next to. I talked, I met 50 new people that night. I am not joking. Not one time all night did anyone ever ask me, What do you do? Not one time. Me and my husband, we were so, we we talk about it to this day. It's not something that's done here. Even here a month, I've been out you know, a few times with some Portuguese people. No one knows, no one asked me what I do. This not doesn't come up at all. Like it's, it's amazing and it's noticeable. And I am not deprogrammed from it at all because that's some of my first questions. So I have to forcibly now when I meet people, I now do, I have to say to myself, do not ask them what they do. Ask them something more interesting. Yeah. But that's not
0: what you do in New York, you know? Oh my gosh, that's right. Well, it's why we start the podcast off with the question that we started, started off with mm-hmm. because I think that it's, you know, finding out who people are, it, it's a felt experience and that matters, right? But I want to reflect something back to you if I can. So yeah, the first sure. time we, we spoke, I think it was in like January or something. So if you have any doubt in your mind that you're not already shifting, your energy is like so regulated right now. The first Yeah, it is. It may not be, but it really is. Because the first time I talked to you, your energy was, it was full on New York energy. That was like, and that is, I mean, and I can say this because my daughter lives in Brooklyn. I'm there actually once a week, usually for multiple days. And I think New York is the most amazing place. And it is truly metaphorical for life. You can have anything you want there, but it's not going to be easy to get it, right? And so you, it's like it's like you can taste it, but can you get there? Do you want it yeah. bad enough? Can you yeah. learn learn how to to do the hard to to get the the fact that everything is literally sitting right there at your fingertips? Mm-hmm. And Thank yes, you. there's people, but it can be like the busiest, loneliest city in in the world. Yeah, one hundred. It's I mean, it's the most beautiful and grittiest place, and you, it really I think forces mm-hmm. you to to find out who you are, if you, Mm -hmm. if you live there, Mm -hmm. but it's also the minute you step out of it, it's like, Whoa, there's also another way of being and living. And so it's kind of like, I think a season, right. It's like you get to, I mean, I know people live there for life, but I I think you must force yourself to step out of that environment to understand that there's also another way and more to life than that kind of energy. And you can live in the duality of it. Like you can have both.
1: Yes. Yeah. It's interesting. And you know, and also I mean, you and also just European, European, and this is very foreign to me. And but it is; it's different. Everything is different. The schools different. The, the The way they are, the way they are, and the way they. I'm still like I haven't processed it. I've only been here one month, but I feel different here. You know, two ways. I feel different because I feel like a bull in a china shop. You know, just I'm just I still feel like I'm oh. A lot, so they probably could not handle January Patrice <laughs> from last year. But I also, what I'm realizing is, and look, this is not, you know, this is this is I mean, this is what it is. But the things that they I think prioritize are probably like really good for longer term happiness and satisfaction.
0: Mm, yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, it but is- I don't know. I don't know that that's not the Patrice I know, and I love that hustle and the. Th- bad and the business. I feel, I think that's probably why I feel so uncomfortable right now. Quite frankly, yucky. You know, I, I almost, this is not the right analogy because I don't have depression, but I feel even being out here is the closest I could maybe possibly extrapolate or imagine what it would feel like to just, I just have felt meh and it makes no sense. I'm in this beautiful place, this beautiful, I live right by the water. It's like, picturesque and yet I feel mad. And then you start thinking, what's wrong with your, yeah. so I just think that like, I, I have pain, you know, I've never had physical pain. I have like back pain, my shoulder hurts. Like I don't feel right. You know, physically, mentally, I, I
0: just off. So I'm off. Tell like, you why.
1: Oh, I, yeah. Please tell me why. fix me. <laughs> please fix me.
0: It's because you are actually in a state of like where, when you come out of a sympathetic state, which is when when you live in New York, everybody's in a sympathetic state in their nervous system. It's that like, go, 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 go. And your system is back and in a place at of where we get to breathe and, and relax. And of course there's all the change and things, but that place isn't your safety zone because your set point was in this place up here. So now you have to allow yourself to build the capacity, to feel safe in the safe zone.
1: Oh, oh my God. I've never heard of this. This is all new to me. (laughs) Wow.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't feel safe right now. That's, I mean, (laughs) obviously there's like the differences and stuff, but in terms of like, you're, that's really what it is, is this place of like, when you, while you ask, you're experiencing stress, but you're like, you're in a, you're in a place of beauty. And it's like, why, why does this feel potentially stressful? Because being in that state and place isn't your set point yet. And you have to, basically allow yourself to feel safe in a place that doesn't feel stressful. Okay. That's so interesting.
1: It makes sense too, because you know, I feel like, you know, my household was chaotic. Like I used, we always joke, you know, I, I thrive in chaos. You know, I, nothing phases me, you know, you could drop me in, you know, which is good in bed, right. That serves you in a lot of ways, but the other way it probably doesn't serve you is that, Wait, like, no, that's just not that's not necessarily like good, you know, to to kind of you know, operate like that. And that is probably my set point.
0: It's just okay, just things blowing up and yeah, it's, a, it's like yeah. So it's achiever anxiety, right? Because it's like we always have those statements in our heads, like, if I can just get through this, then I'll be able to relax. If I can just get oh. through this project, then I'll be able to do that. It oh, I'm not stressed just- or I work better under pressure. These are all of the things, the lies that we tell ourselves when we are like in that high achiever anxiety, which is it's high functioning anxiety that we have numbed ourselves to. And I say this, I'm telling you, for, speaking as someone who that. Was my set point, uh, and still sometimes is my default I have to to work really hard to come out of that,
1: yeah yeah, no, it's such, my husband it's funny um my husband said something to me just yesterday because this strategy meeting I had, and he just said to me he's like it's like you don't get happy, you know you're only happy if like you know your like a launch goes well or your course is selling well like and then that's it, and that's like the only barometer of success, which I didn't think I do, but he sort of called me out yesterday. He's like, you need to like appreciate, you know, some wins you're doing in your business and moving forward. And it is, it's crazy, right? Because if you ask, you always ask people, you know, who's to have businesses. And this is my sixth year in business. And I remember I fell into digital stuff. I have a video storytelling company. Like that's how I started a production company. And then COVID hit everything shut. I was pregnant with my third kid. I was making no money. I'm like, oh crap, I have to get online. Like, you know, my, my Instagram is private. You know, here's my kid on a bridge with a pretzel, like, you know, hashtag cute. I mean, I, it was all just that's, you know, so I was sort of forced like so many people to go online in COVID. And I remember my very first program was a digital camp. I had no idea what I was doing. And it was, $397 with a $100 like code on. I mean, it was like $200 and it was four weeks on Zoom. And I remember I sold seven and you would have thought I was a millionaire. I'm like, I just, seven strange. I, mean, I, I, I couldn't even believe it. And, you know, I remember thinking, looking at people that had, you know, five digger, you know, everybody's like, oh, five digger launches and couldn't even comprehend those numbers. And, now I hit those numbers and then some, and yet I still feel, I almost felt happier. If I look back that first four week, $297 digital bootcamp and I sold seven, I could like cry thinking about it. Like I still have that like feeling of just like, so wonder and awe. And I couldn't even believe it. And I feel like i lost that a little bit. You know what yeah. I mean? Oh my God. Why am I going to start crying? Like, it's so true. It's like, if you would have, and now like what I'm, you know, stuff that I'm launching and marketing and doing, I couldn't even comprehend. I wouldn't have even been able to imagine that, you know, when I started doing this. And I'm doing it and then some, but yet I'm never really fully like proud of myself. It's crazy.
0: Well, we we move the carrot and, and we, we we stop to celebrate. And awe and wonder, they are truly keeping keeping those things in your daily life and seeking them is truly the magic sauce. It's actually They call that glimmers in polyvagal theory is, is finding glimmers in, in your every, in your every day. And it's actually one of the most regulating things for, for your nervous system. But I want to circle back to something that you said when you were talking about that rooftop party and now you're, you said, you feel like you have to start to lead with a question that's exponentially like, you know, more interesting than, than that. And I feel like it's really, I mean that really ties in to storytelling and Mm -hmm. supporting people in telling Mm -hmm. their story, a asking that those kinds of questions from them, it like puts them in a position to become a storyteller right there. uh, yeah. Yeah, no, that's a really good observation.
1: I mean, the journalist in me, you know, I was, I was in journalism for many years before I left that world. I left that world in 2016. So my set point is like the interrogation. I mean, so I, you know because I am I'm naturally curious just about other people. So that comes out. But that is true. Like rather there is a default when you a stranger. You know, you're small talk and you're sitting there and it's like, oh, you know, where do you live? You live close to here, you know, oh, oh, what do you do? Here that just doesn't fly. So you know I have like even the conversations out here now of people, you know, the other day on Sunday I met these two Portuguese women and we met in a park. I didn't you know, they had kids. I was like, okay, I kind of set up through a blind date, you know, and I don't know what they do. I think at the end, someone volunteered that, you know, what she, she did, but they never asked me what I did. And, you know, I'm starting off the conversations, like, you know, you know, how's your week been? Like, what's been, you know, have you done anything interesting this week? Or obviously I'm new here. So that's a bit easier. Cause I'm so new that I just like, I'm like, tell me everything. Like, where should I go? Where should I eat? But if I'm being more conscientious now, and to be honest with you, even in New York, after that party last year, that was so impressionable on me that I made it a conscious point, even in New York, I got to stop. I don't, I don't care really. Like, yeah, like we are so much more than what we do, who we know, or what industry are you in? And I did start making a conscientious habit, even this whole past year to not lead with that question. Because you get, you get boring responses. And also to be honest with you, sorry not to go off the rails here, but the school that we chose to send my kids to in New York was a school whose mission it was, was to really bridge the gap between underprivileged communities and wealthier communities. So we lived in a, you know, a nice, nicer neighborhood, cobblestone, leafy, you know, in Brooklyn. But, you know, my, my kids were the minority in their class. Right. But we did that consciously. I'm talking like socioeconomic diversity, like, you know, all the things. And I had to check myself years ago because I realized real quick when I went on a field trip, not everyone goes to college. Not everyone is like in marketing. Not everyone is like, Oh, where'd you go to grad school? Like I had to switch up my own questions because I'm talking, because when I was like a little bit, you know, uh, with people that, you know, necessarily didn't have the same like background as me. And, you know, one mom is like, came from the third shift you know working overnight you know somewhere to be on a field trip and I'm like oh I gotta I gotta I gotta like get outside myself a bit so it's I feel like it's all been coming to this point a bit with crescendoing of like you know the essence of people and like getting like who are people when you're not you know you are not what you do and all that stuff. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's a bit off tangent,
0: but no, it's not. And as you're saying it, you're going to make me cry. I'm sitting here listening to it. I'm like ah, oh, perspective and like how important and all of that is for, for everyone to learn and to understand. And Actually, to make it full circle, how important all of that is as we start to communicate our stories in using that to, you know, bring our impact to the world. So in in your business, like bringing that forward too, that, it gets to be this cohesive kind of thing. And that those pieces of us, like when you are using storytelling in, in your business, the things that we want to lead with first are the things that are least important. Oh,
1: I can't, and you know what, this line of work that I do, I am just, it has made me just, you just never know what people are going through and people don't want to bear a lot of what they would consider the struggle or the hard moments, but that's the stuff that bounds Binds people together, you know, shared humanity, but shared struggle is, and, you know, I'm always having to remind myself, you know, we all do it, right? Even if we meet someone and you're like, eh, or, but then I, you know, because of this work I do, I'm just constantly shocked by my students and just blown away. I mean, I learned more. I know you're in the space too where you teach, and I'm, it's the same thing. It's like I learned just as much from my storytelling students, you know, I'm always blown away. Like you just, You just would never know the shoes that people walk in. And yet if other people and a lot of, you know, they're all business owners. And I'm always saying like, God, if this is not because we want to air dirty laundry for the sake of dirty laundry, but it's allowing other people to understand the shoes that you walk. So then your success is is celebrated and you have people rooting for you and you want to buy your product more. You want to buy your services from that person because that person, you know, was living on food stamps and even though they're on Instagram now and they look beautiful and everything, they have a nice house. You would never know what she's had to go through to get to that, but you would never know because she never talks about it. But I like, no, you need to talk about that. Cause like, that is, is badass, And also it allows people not to have, you know, I had so much shame about, you know, like I had, my dad left my family when I was very young, like five or six, but I had a different last name until I was six years old. So, I was Patrice Horton, not Patrice Pulsar. so all my like kindergarten pictures, first grade pictures second I mean, I'm Patrice Horton, I was like, if you think about it like kind of strange, right? And all of a sudden, I was just like Patrice Pulsar one day, and I remember just feeling shame about that a lot, just being like something wrong with me, like what you know my my dad didn't like what, you know, and that's a whole other thing, but when I even at a young age, I like intuitively kind of understand, I got to a point where I was so tired of lying. Cause I would lie a lot about it or I was just embarrassed or you know someone would be like who knew me in school like wait a minute you're Patrice Bolton where are you your Patrice Horton and you know kids they don't know and the the internal shame and you wouldn't say shame because you didn't know that word as a child but I just felt yucky but I remember when I I got older I the more I started just talking about the harder stuff I just felt lighter and I was like oh it's like it's not a deal you know and so you know I feel like I learned that earlier on, but there's so many people that haven't learned that yet. And they walk around every day with such heaviness because they don't want to share parts of their story that they don't think are is, is shareable.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. This makes me want to ask you two questions. I'm going to ask them and you can answer them in, in whatever whatever order makes mm-hmm. sense. One is, can anybody tell a good story? And two <laughs> is, I've been noticing this sort of trend Mm -hmm. with the use of kind of storytelling and vulnerability. And I feel like coining it like the struggle share, but there's actually like a divisiveness behind it because people are starting to see and learn that when you share the struggle, it actually, people buy from you a lot of times now it's almost like the opposite. You know, everyone taking the pictures with the luxury cars and luxury marketing, it's like struggle marketing.
1: Oh, interesting. Okay. Okay. Yep. Okay. Well, so
0: yeah. two, two completely different directions, but I feel like I want I to hear know. your thoughts on the second, but you can no, definitely no, no. answer the first.
1: No, I love this question. And actually, this is a really good question. And let me just take like a hot second to think about that. So what I think you're saying is, um, and here's the thing we intuitively, I believe as humans understand you, like, you know, when you're scrolling on social and someone's struggle sharing, as you would say, And there's something about it that makes you feel uncomfortable. Is there something about it that makes you feel cringe? Because there's intention behind sharing and people are smarter than what marketers would think would have people believe, you know, I don't think we're all five girls walking around like, Oh, talk to them like they're five. I hate that. Like, no, people know, people know from like a gut intuition level. And so I think that people that are engaging in struggle sharing, Maybe that'll work a handful of times, you know, maybe that'll work. Sure. Cause that's, that's a tactic. They're using that as a tactic. That's not real. Mm-hmm. And sooner or later, the emperor will have no clothes. Like sooner or later you will be found out because if that is not coming from a place of actual service or actual, I'm going to share because I really believe that by sharing the struggle that I'm going to hopefully help or inspire someone or give them permission or hope if that is not where that's coming from and the intention really is I want to sell my course, uh, it will be found out. And I have to believe that that is just how the universe works because, you know, if I think about a lot of people that kind of rise really quickly on social, for example, or you have these certain influencers that all of a sudden just get super popular and then they like literally disintegrate. They can't handle
0: mm-hmm. because
1: at some level they don't believe it. They they know no, like, this is not, this is not real. And I think as human beings, you can't live like that in perpetuity because that eats you and that will come at you. So sure. That probably that tactic as a tactic, I understand why that works, but you, that's not a tactic that you learn that you use long-term.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. So, I just, I've been observing it, I can like, see, I'm like, Okay.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And you just know, you know, it's just like, there's just some people, I mean, you take like a Mel Robbins, right. I know she's so effortlessly her. And I remember I interviewed someone who was the brand behind her was the person that helped her essentially be Mel Robbins. And I asked him, he said, Biggest thing about Mel Robbins is that she is exactly Mel Robbins in person. You, there is no difference. You know, cameras, no cameras. Phone, no phone. Instagram, no Instagram. And you feel that. You feel that from her. That you know, there's just certain people that you're like, oh god. Like Sarah Blakely kind of has that as well, right? And I feel that you know, other people say really great things about her too. So, yeah, those people aren't using their struggle stories to sell. Mm -hmm. They're, you know, they're doing it. Be, yeah, you know, because they have a gift. They have the they have a gift of being able to connect, and people pay attention. And when you tell stories, and you can get someone's attention, that that's like that's really at a powerful skill set. Yeah, so that's my absolutely. answer to your second question. Does that answer that?
0: Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to hear your thoughts on yeah, it and, thoughts. and sort of yeah.
1: Um, and then the other question is, can everyone be a storyteller? So okay, so there's a few things there. My look, we're all born with skills, unfair advantages, right? Some people are born like just really good at, I don't know, accounting, or they're really they're born with a data mind, or they're born with, you know, being able to sing, or so there are people that are just born more naturally born being able to storytell. Like they, they have that intuitive feeling. However, I believe that everyone has the ability to become a storyteller, and I believe that if more people thought of themselves as storytellers, whether you run a business, whether you're whether you're in a company, whether you're you know working for someone, that is a powerful hat to wear. Because if you think of yourself as a storyteller, and you can learn how to story tell. I mean, this is what I do in my programs. I take people that have never, usually have never, they don't know they don't know really what a story is, right? Like, what is a story? most people couldn't answer that. Like, oh, it's something you tell about an event or it's like you talk about your day. That That's not a story. So it's actually defining A, what a story is. And then B, once you, and then also being able to break that down and how you can apply that to your own life or your own marketing or your own content. And most of these people, so take that, most people that I teach have never, they don't know what a story is. And then you couple that with a lot of them have never made a video before, you know? So I take people from, it's unbelievable. And, and they leave knowing how to storytell and being able to tell their stories on video. So yes, I've seen it happen time and time and time and time again, is, you know, with my programs that I run that I've seen people that you would never think like, oh, you know, you can write that person off. Oh, that person can't even like, you know, talk like, you know, in a zoom call. And like 12 weeks later, they're off to the races and they're on in social every day, like sharing stuff. So yeah, because it's a muscle like like anything else. You, know, you can learn to do it if you practice at it.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So as you're sitting there talking, I was just really thinking, had this like memory flash in my mind about something with my daughter and it made me think about the power of storytelling and the power of how it builds community and mm-hmm. brand loyalty instantly. So my daughter was obsessed with Steve Irwin. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh God, so was my little sister. There, yeah. Oh, my God. Obsessed with him. Yes. Right. And so then when he died, she oh. like literally cried. She cried mm-hmm. for like a, a week, like sobbed, full obsession. So, and my daughter was also a very picky eater. And so my I,
1: sister, oh God, I like the same
0: person. Yeah. <laughs> so she's a very picky eater. And at some point, I was trying to get her to, she like loved key lime yogurt. And I was trying to get her to eat one that didn't have gross like sugars and dyes in it. And now this mm-hmm. isn't a true brand story. I might have fabricated as a, as a parent, Yeah, <laughs> I saw in motion the the power yeah. of storytelling. And so there, I think it's like wallaby yogurt. And so I bought okay that at had a key lime flavor and I told her, because i had heard something about his daughter starting like some other company and it was not okay. the yogurt company, but I was like, Jordan, you know, Steve Irwin's daughter. Started. Oh my God. I love it. This is yeah, I love it. And instantly this yogurt became her most favorite thing.
1: <laughs> Isn't that, That's wow. Isn't that amazing? I mean, and I always, you know, I just did. I was live today on my Instagram and I was talking about, look, there's so many marketing tactics and I, the only one that has ever worked for me consistently is storytelling. You know, there's SEO, there's paid ads, there's social media, you know, all these things the end of the day, storytelling just allows you to shorten that gap because there's no other marketing tactic that actually allows your brain as a storyteller to infiltrate the brain It's called neural coupling. And there are so many studies done MRIs that when you are listening to a story that resonates with you, you, when you get the chills or you start welling up with tears, or you can just feel tingly, or you feel like almost deja vu that is your brain neural coupling with the person who tells your story. Your brain imagery matches the storyteller. And if that is not powerful, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what is. I mean, that is as close as you can. That is like the closest thing that you could ever do where you're taking a complete stranger and you can get them to imagine what it is like to be you or vice versa and connect. That is why it is. And I know storytelling is used a lot now, I think kind of just oh, storytelling, storytelling, but most people don't do it right. Or they think they're storytelling and they're really not. They're just listing a series of anecdotes or list listing, a lot of listing or a lot of just mm-hmm. telling, you know, that's not a story just because you're talking, just because you're showing up and just because you're everywhere all the time, doesn't mean you're telling stories. So yeah, storytelling is just like what you said. I mean, it's so powerful. So. Especially for business people like us, you know, who run our own thing, and you have to wear a lot of hats. It's it's a shortcut.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's a shortcut, but it's almost like the most easeful way to do it. The most powerful. I'm
1: so. Learn SEO. Don't talk about SEO. Like you don't need to. You know, God, I don't know. Like analyze how to do Facebook ad spend or ads or couldn't, you know, all that stuff are tactics to grow your audience and to attract more people. Like those are all marketing tactics. It's all digital marketing. Like it's storytelling, you know, storytelling to me is just the lowest lip. You don't need to know how to do tech. You already have the the elements in your life because you've lived it, you're doing it, you know, you're there's meaning in your mundane moments. And so if you can tap into that and do it strategically and use it in your business, it's so powerful, you know, yeah. you can grow really quickly.
0: Speak my language. It's like learning how to bring the peace and ease in into business. And it's really just taking this piece of your authentic self, your authentic story, and learning how to put it in a pretty package that, that lands for people.
1: Yeah. And it also, what I love about it, I think it's so beautiful, is that it, it's actually quite selfless because if you're doing it properly, like you're not doing it as a tactic, right? To do, mm-hmm. share a struggle, to sell your course. If you're doing it in the right way, you are always thinking of the other person because the stories that you tell should resonate with your particular niche or your people. Yeah. And in, in order to tell stories that resonate with them, you actually have to understand your people. You know, just to give you an example. So, you know, I have a program called Founders Fire and, you know, it's high ticket and, you know, like high ticket, like got to fill it. It's not... <laughs> I have, to, I have to market that. I have to talk about it. I have to like, you know, make sure that the right mix of people are in it because it's intimate. And you know, one person can kind of throw off if it's not the right fit. Mm-hmm. So uh yesterday, my husband, he's like, why don't you go back to all the people that have taken it and just get just get 20 minutes with, with them, you know, take 10, 15. There's no ask, there's no nothing but you should, you should check in with them. Just like, how are they? Like, what, how are you? What's your, what, 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 what have you been doing in the past year and a half? He's like, no agenda. And just, and I remember saying, I'm like, well, is that weird? Are they going to think I'm, why would I, he goes, no, it's like just checking in. Like, I remember thinking, oh my God, duh. You know, like, you know, sometimes you do all these fancy things and these email funnels and all these things. And I'm like, why? Yeah. You know, you create these like, intimate experiences with these people and they kind of go off their way but sometimes unless the people are super active on social or I get their content I don't always know what goes on to so and so that I knew every detail of your life for four months just checking in with them because also when you're checking in you're actually understanding about people and then you then I'll probably have to think about okay well how can my stories serve that person Sorry, this like off Just like made me realize, like, oh wow, like I need to, I need to get on the ground a little bit more and just not you know, overthink and just talking to people and finding out what their stories are right now in their life.
0: Yeah, it's or like relationship rela- maintenance. That makes me think of so. I sold real estate, luxury real estate for the longest time, and this is something that I've just recently brought back into my business, which is what I learned back then is the power of a handwritten note. And so wow. I make it a mish- okay. by mission. To do that once a week is to write and send a handwritten note at least to two people that have been, that have been, yeah, it's, and I have to tell you, it blows people's mind. And so I feel like this, like the storytelling is the same thing, whether it's you reach out and you, I mean, in terms of like the relationship maintenance, like circling back and, and talking to people that you've, you've worked with a, it's a great way for them to remember you and remember, oh my gosh. And then they just tell you, oh, so I got to tell so-and-so I totally just put me back at top of mind, but also it's, I don't know about you, but every single person that I ever work with, they become your friend, right? I mean, not to say that there's boundaries. I mean, you have to remain professional and has to, and gets to remain, but there's a connection. They become your friends.
1: Oh yeah. Like no boundaries. It's probably a problem in the same way because like fall in love with people. You know, it's sort of, it's my, I, I, you get like obsessed with them. Because yeah, you just get to know people in um, such an intimate way. And especially with the programs I am, someone goes, Oh my God, I like don't need to go to my therapist for the next year. Like, done. <sighs> done. Oh my gosh. it's just yes. like founder story. We're like, I am not a therapist. But you start unpacking, like, you know, why you do, do and like what why are you doing what you do? You know, that's a really hard question. Like, you know, you know, everyone's founder story is tends to be very similar, you know, like, oh, I saw a problem and I solved it and I started this business and now I do what I do. It's like <sighs> You know, so we're really getting to like so the meat. All right, we're going back to childhood. Like, giddy up, giddy up, making some connections. Like, get ready. So, but yeah, no, it is. It's, uh, yeah, you know what? I, it's hard work, but it's like such satisfying work. And you know, I don't know. Like, I would much. It is. It is hard to run your own business, but it's also hard to be in corporate and not feel lit up. You know, so. I would much rather choose this hard, you know, than being in a job where I am just like, I know in my gut that I can do more, but I'm not, and I'm staying there, you know? So, cause you know, there are days where I'm like, oh my God, just give me a paycheck every two weeks. You know what I mean? It's like, so it's just, but I have to remind myself, like the work that I'm doing is just so, you know, it's like, it feels very transformative.
0: Oh my gosh, it's so transformative! Learning and teaching people how how to share their magic essentially is what it is. Yeah. So I know that everyone is now just really curious about founders' fire and how it is that they can get into your world. So what's the best way for everyone to do that?
1: Yeah. Oh my God. Um. Well. So I'm I'm on Instagram. That's my main social media platform and and LinkedIn. But I feel like I you know I get to second base, third base, never quite to home plate with LinkedIn. I I dabble in and out, but Instagram is my main home, but I'm not sure when this is airing, but my next cohort I'm running is going to be probably either end of October, start of November. And yeah, there's, you know, there's an application because it needs to be a two-way fit. You know, it's not just me selecting, like you need to really want to do it because it's, it's, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of like, I don't mean this to sound like it's not fun because it's an amazing experience. It's not a, I can't even call it a program, but if founders fire is something that is resonating with anyone listening and you need help getting that powerful story out of you and you know, you have a story, but you're overwhelmed. You don't know what parts to focus on. You've had a very, you know, storied past and you're like, well, what's relevant. What's not, you know, we're making a two minute video here not a, you know, one hour documentary. This is this, you know, we, focus i run it with my my emmy award-winning former today show work wife and she media coaches everyone and she makes sure that your videos are and how you say it and it's just it's like such a cool program so application my website there's also an application link in my bio on instagram and you could just dm me about it so
0: yeah, yeah. Well, all of those things, you know, for ease, of course, will be down in the show notes. So everyone can just, of course, if you're listening, all you got to do is just scroll down and tap and it's just an instant. So make sure that you go and follow Patrice for one, let her know that you heard her story here. And check out Founder's Fire if you're looking to to learn how to bring your story to the world in a potent and impactful way, so that you can really make your impact. You know, this is this is it. You got to get in there. You gotta you gotta reach out. Put your application in. Uh, thank you so so much for being here. If you had just like one little juicy last little nugget parting wisdom to leave, what would it be?
1: Oh. You know, in my line of work, I this in terms of this story. It's I'm always amazed. I've never met anyone that has started my program that somehow doesn't think that their story is that good. Everyone always, you know, we underestimate what we've done in life. You know, everyone's like, "Oh, this is boring," or "I'm basic," "I'm boring." Why would anyone care? Constant, constant thread, right? And I have never met anyone that has not had an epic story. You do not need an epic story in the way that you might define epic to have an epic story. You do not need an epic story to inspire someone else. And often the most mundane, relatable events, universal events that happen to a lot of people are often the most resonating with other people. So I think if you're listening here and you've somehow talked yourself out of your existence or your life or what you've done in your life, not being worthy of being shared because you haven't quote unquote done something great enough in order to tell that story. I'm telling you that that's false and someone needs to hear your story now. And someone who hears your story, once you share it is going to then go on and potentially do cool things in their life. And that's the amazing trickle effect. And it all starts with you sharing your amazing story that we all have. Everyone has an amazing story. in them. I really, I know that because I've worked with too many people now, and even all the years at the Today Show, just normal people, you know, from every walk of life, and you're sitting on the show and interviewing them. And you're just like, Oh, my good God, Lord, like people are just so amazing, you know, so people need, but you need to open your mouth and let people know that.
0: So it is your responsibility to tell Mm -hmm. your story.
1: Yes, it is. I actually love that. I've never actually said it like that, but yes, actually, it is your responsibility to tell your story because no one's, you know, it's very rare that, you know, someone's going to, unless you're like around, you know, me or someone who like grew up in that journalism world where it's like, you know, tell me your story. Let's talk about childhood, like your darkest trauma. Let's go. You know, for the most part, most people will keep it surface, right? So it's up to you to, you know, open up, and let people see. Maybe some of the stuff that you might think is not worthy of sharing, but I'm telling you it is. So,
0: so, so good. Thank you so much. This has been the best conversation and I have a feeling we might be doing this again.
1: Oh my God. Bring me back. Yeah. I feel better. I feel like if I just do a therapy session, like I feel like, you know what? I can, I can stay in Lisbon another day. I can do this. It's going to be okay.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. You guys go watch her her story unfold in lisbon it's really amazing to watch we will catch you on the next episode like a fire needs oxygen and fuel